Welcome to episode 90 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Cauley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm not bad. How are you, Jacob? Uh, I'm doing all right. Trying to soak in this last little bit of the World Series before the sports world dies down. Yeah, the weather is getting colder. The World Series fading away. I'm sad because the Dodgers now have a 2-1 lead, but we'll see if that holds today. Hopefully it doesn't. But uh, it's been fun to watch, and we haven't had that much to talk about. We took the week off last week because nothing's happening in Blue Jay World. It's kind of been the start of our offseason. But coming back this week, we have a few things to talk about that's been happening for the Blue Jays. Um, I guess the thing that we can start things off with is the main piece of news this week, or not really news, just something we were reminded of by Mark Shapiro's comments. Um, His contract with the Blue Jays started in 2016. It expires after this year, and going into next year, the Blue Jays will have to extend him if they want him to stay as the president and CEO of the Blue Jays. So this kind of sparked a conversation around whether the Blue Jays should renew his contract. Mark Shapiro said he wants to, quote, finish the job, but I think a lot of fans are polarized him by him. He's a polarizing figure. Um, I think all of us are in agreement about whether he should stay or not, but I guess I'll just pose the question to you guys. Do you think Mark Shapiro should stay with the Blue Jays? Should the Blue Jays extend him and allow him to, in his words, finish the job? Absolutely, 100% Mark Shapiro should be back, and I think both of you guys can agree with me on that. I just, you know, for someone who came in uh, in 2016 and he brought in kind of his whole staff, he brought in Ross Atkins, and now um, they have Charlie Montoyo, who both of them hired. You know, they've just pretty much taken over the organization with bringing in their own people. Uh, They've overhauled the minor league system. They've done a bunch of things that fans don't like, and um, I guess pretty much over the past year, I think they're starting to do things that fans are they're doing things that fans are finally coming around to and they're finally understanding why this was happening why you know all these players are being traded from a certain window which was 2016 2017 2018 2019 and then now when you look at it the upside and the you know the brightness that or the future um, of this organization is is very bright and we saw that this year in a condensed season but we still got a great glimpse of it uh, the main pieces are pretty much already up here there's still more coming along the way there's still more that could get better and still have a higher ceiling. And all of this is pretty much because of, you know, Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins in terms of, you know, their drafting, how they've seasoned the minor league system, you know, maybe pretty much kind of, I would say, fixing the minor league system after they kind of came into a, de- a depleted farm system with Alex Anthopoulos. I just, I think they've come too far now to the point where if you don't bring them back, it's not successful. And I think that both sides are mutual that they want to come back. And I think that, uh, he will be back. It just um, it's a certain amount of time for when. And the thing with Mark Shapiro too is uh, he's doing a lot of interviews too around Canada too. He's been on radio stations. He's been on you know like for example he's but he's done interviews with sports at TSN. And if he's doing if he's continuing to do interviews around you know the city and he very rarely does. If he's doing it now, you know you have to come to the impression that he's not going to go anywhere. And it's only a matter of time before they get something done. And even too with Ross Atkins is in his in as his GM, you know, they, they, those two came in as a package, they've been working together, they're on the same page, and, you know, if you if one of them goes, it's pretty much almost, I wouldn't, you know, it's not, I wouldn't say ruining it, but I would say it's putting, you know, it's definitely impacting it, and I think that, like I said, they've come too far now where you, you can't look back, and if Mark Shapiro still has work to be done, and we obviously know this team needs a lot of work, of course, there's lots of room for improvement, there's no denying that, you know, let, let him continue to be here, and let him... 
you know, finish the product of this rebuild. We're at the end of this rebuild now. We're still, you know, who knows how competitive they would be in a full 162-game season. But uh, the thing is, the future is bright of this organization. And, you know, the fact that letting Mark Shapiro walk now, it just it doesn't seem right to me. And I think, you know, like I said, there's start what I've noticed too, and you guys have noticed over the past year, they have started to begin, you know, getting interest and getting support from the fans. You know, obviously because the results of, you know, the, let's say this year... Uh, they made the playoffs, you know, they were above 500, you know, you can see that people are starting to buy into what they're trying to do. And if you were leaving, if you were pretty much ruining all of that now, you know, what was the point of this past four years during this rebuild? Um, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I think Mark Shapiro will be back. And it's only a certain, you know, number, it's it's only going to take, um, you know, who knows when it'll be, but it'll definitely be at some point in the future as the World Series is almost done as we approach the 2021 offseason. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, I don't think he should go anywhere. Uh, if he, down the line, expresses that he wants to leave, then you know we can't really argue with that. But I would like to see him stay until either this core that the Blue Jays have uh, is they start to come to the end of their career, kind of like Alex Anthopoulos. He left with a very age, uh, very uh, older, old core. Uh, but overall, I think... One thing we all have to take into consideration, and this is more towards the people that were not fond of Shapiro and Atkins, is that they came into pretty much a mess of an organization. They had a depleted farm system, an old core, as we saw what happened in after 2016. They, they were not good until uh, the younger players and the minor league deals started to uh, pile up and really help the team. Uh, but they have built what looks like to be one of the next dynasties in the league, and I think I can honestly stand behind that. I think they are going to be a very good team. Uh, Joe Buck, I was watching the Game 3 of the World Series last night. Uh, he was raving about the team. Uh, for some weird reason, I prefer to listen to the Fox broadcast over uh, Buck Martinez and Matt Vaskirjian. But Joe, he had a lot of great things to say about them. And you know the, the recognition that the people that are educated in this kind of field are giving the team shows that these guys know what they're doing. Uh, you know, you can look at some of the things like uh, the Bo Bichette, uh drafting. That was in 2016 when they took over. Nate Pearson, Austin Martin. You know, they've drafted well. They've done what the team needed. Even, you know, the Ryu signing. They got they got an ace. They needed an ace. They got an ace. Uh, and, you know, one thing that has been very common about this offseason is that the Blue Jays are going to, quote, have the resources to add to the team. And... You know, this shows they have a plan, and that's why I kind of want to see them stay here until the end, this kind of the end of this era of uh, Blue Jays baseball, because they, you know, I'm, I'm going to assume they have multiple years uh, mapped out for this team, and I think that they, they know what they want, and I think just throwing a guy into the, into this posi position would kind of, I don't, I don't know if it would confuse them, but, you know, just getting a brand new perspective on a team that has been a work in progress for the past three, four years, I think wouldn't necessarily be uh, the best decision. But yeah, like I said, I, I've i been a fan of him since day one. I know a lot of people hated him, hated him and uh, Ross Atkins because, you know, there weren't the immediate results for the team. But baseball just takes time. And they, they took the hate, but they knew what they were doing. And I, I, I really don't have many bad things to say about them. I like them and I do not want to see them gone. Yeah, they didn't just take the hate. They're still taking the hate. Um, when I posed this question on my Instagram, a lot of people 
were still saying that they didn't want Shapiro or Atkins or even Montoyo back. I know we've talked about Montoyo and he's an entirely different conversation, I think, than Shapiro and Atkins because I completely agree with you guys. I knew this wouldn't be much of a debate for us, but Shapiro and Atkins have done a fantastic job. You can't dispute that. Um, Jacob, I think you said that they inherited a mess of an organization. I disagree with that. I think Alex Anthopoulos did a good job, you know, in the early 2010s to 2015, 2016 to build a winning organization. But Alex Anthopoulos just had kind of a responsibility after that time to go all out, to win, to trade prospects, and to make a push for the World Series. And I think he was right to do that. I don't think they inherited a mess of an organization. I just think they inherited an organization that was at a different stage in the winning process and the winning schedule than a lot of other teams are. And I think they've done a really good job of building it up over only a few years, despite what a lot of people say. I'm just going to read through some of the comments that I got on my Instagram, which of course, as we know on this podcast, it's always very entertaining to look at. But some people saying they've done a good job. One person, Alex, saying best GM they've had in a long time, makes smart moves, not flashy ones that end up terrible. Of course, we know Mark Shapiro, not general manager, but We'll ignore that for a little bit. Um, Another person, Alex, said, made the team completely irrelevant after going to playoffs three straight years. Again, the Blue Jays only went to the playoffs two straight years, but Alex, I don't think they've made them completely irrelevant. This was a cost they had to play. Um, Another person saying, no, longest rebuild ever. Bring back Alex, please. Another person um, saying, get rid of these bums. And then I think my favorite comment overall was, um, a person, Matt, who said at first, no, but realizing the job have, they have slowly done on rebuilding the system and getting great ball players, I'd be happy to have Shapiro back again. Honestly, I think it would be a mistake to not have him back at this point. And I think that's a sentiment of a lot of baseball fans. I think we've known that, you know, the, the, the painful years of 2017 to 2019 would pay off, but I think a lot of baseball fans and a lot of Blue Jay fans didn't quite realize that. But, you know, Matt pointing out that at first it was painful, but that was a cost we had to pay for the the great team that we're seeing come around now. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's any discussion here about whether the Blue Jays should bring back Shapiro um, because he's been fantastic in his role. He has impressed everyone. He's built a team along with Ross Atkins that is going to be a perennial contender that is earning praise, as you mentioned, Jacob, from Joe Buck, from John Smoltz, um, from all these guys who are, you know, not Blue Jay centric, but realize the team that the Blue Jays have. So definitely. And here's a question for you. How long of a contract should the Blue Jays give Mark Shapiro? Because we saw him with you know, a five-year contract, 2016 to 2020, coming to the Blue Jays originally. Now we've seen him have success. We've seen his plan work out. Do the Blue Jays hold on to him for another five years? Do they take a bet on him and extend him even longer? Of course, I don't know the details. I don't think any of us know the details of how front office contracts work compared to normal baseball contracts, but how, how long should the Blue Jays invest in Mark Shapiro Um, how long should they try to keep him with the Blue Jays? To be honest with you, I don't think it'll be five years originally from when he came in. I I would be comfortable giving him maybe around, I would say, three years. I'd give him just a little bit more than short term 
but I wouldn't go too long and I definitely wouldn't go past five years. I would, I would be very surprised if uh, he was extended beyond that. You know, I think, you know, now since he first came in in 2016, he's been here for five years now. Um, I think it'll be kind of more short term. I think it'll be three, I'll say three to five years, but I still think three is most likely. I think that, you know, maybe, maybe even Mark Shapiro himself isn't up for a five-year commitment right now. You don't know what he's thinking. And even with Rodgers, I know, you know, they definitely built a somewhat of a good relationship too now over this five years. They've gotten to know each other really well. You know, who knows if Rodgers even wants to give him five years. I would, I would think that, you know, the best part mutually for them would be three years. So not too short, but not too, uh, not too long as five years is a pretty decent chunk of time, but definitely nowhere past five years. Definitely. You know, I would be so shocked if they gave him anywhere close to that. But the question I have too is, I, I believe it was last year too that Ross Atkins signed an extension. I, I want to know, you know, maybe they line it up with Ross Atkins' deal and maybe they both, exp- like, I just don't know. I'm re- I do remember they signed him last year. I don't remember for how long it was for, but maybe that's another thing to look into that if Ross Atkins signed, what, a two, three-year extension, maybe kind of line it up with his deal. Um, that Maybe that's something you look at too, but it, I definitely see three years and that would be my that would be my you know figure if that if I was Rogers that would be what I would prefer as well for Mark Shapiro and like I said you know who knows if he still wants to be here in five years because you know look what they did in Cleveland they did they did build uh, the Cleveland baseball team and uh, they left after so maybe you know Mark Shapiro wants a new challenge in his career who knows or maybe he just wants to stick here for the rest of his um, you know the rest of his tenure as uh, the president so that it could go either either or but I think three years uh, would be a good point for him to come back. And like I said, even if it's three years, it doesn't mean that it's another three years and he's gone. You can always sign him even more. And who knows where the team would be in three years. Maybe they'll be World Series contenders like people are projecting them to be. And this year was just a complete, complete turnaround and a complete glimpse of hope for every you know, Jays fan. As It has been painful, which you guys, uh, or Mark, you went over previously, you know, when, you know, the state of the team when they came in. Yes, they were a competitive team, but they had a bunch of veterans who you know, we're beginning to regress. And if you look at where th- those veterans are now, players like Jose Bautista, Edwin Encarnacion, Russell Martin, you know, a lot of those players aren't even in the league anymore. And so in like David Price, you know, you know, there's, I remember when they first came in, the first thing they dealt with that caught backlash from fans was that they didn't sign David Price. And in- instead they went out and signed someone like Jay Happ, who in actually Jay Happ turned out to be a better pitcher with numbers that year. Obviously David Price get got paid in Boston. He did win a World Series ring, but David Price overall, aside from the 2018 postseason, just hasn't seemed to be his, you know, ace self as we, you know, remember him from his days in Detroit, Tampa, even before that, and even his days with the Jays. So, um, you know, things like that, that they came into, they had to deal with a lot of problems. And the one thing too is, Mark, I agree with you as well. When they came in here, it's, you know, I think calling it a mess of an organization was definitely a little far-fetched. But the thing was, you know, it's the price you pay when you contend. You know, you, you'd get rid of your farm system to build assets for the short term. And it's something that they had to deal with. It's something that would have had to happen even if Anthopolis was here. I think that's the one thing that, you know, fans get confused about is, you know, this was coming regardless. We knew it was a short window. A lot of veterans, they had one of the oldest teams in baseball, one of the slowest teams in baseball. And, the you know, Mark Shapiro coming in, he knew that it was coming up for a potential rebuild. And the thing is with these types of figures that come in, they want it, they want their own DNA all over the team. They're... They inherited an Alex Anthopoulos team, yes, but the one thing they did want to do is they wanted to make sure this was their DNA built all over it. The one thing I guess that you can't give them responsibility for was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as that was an Anthopoulos signing, but you know after that when drafting Biggio, drafting Bichette from 2016 and beyond, that was 
that's all Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins. So I give them credit for what they've done. And I think they have so much more to do. And I think that it would be so much more beneficial for the team as well after what we saw this year. You know, who who knows how they approach this offseason. But Mark Shapiro did say they will be approaching this offseason like last year. And regardless of the revenue they made, which was pretty much nothing this year, it's good to know that they're still going to be looking into adding and it's going to be looking to, you know, make the team better. So I'm very excited for what else they have, you know, left to do in the future. And I hope that they can get something done sooner rather than later. You know, hopefully before the, the winter meetings at some point, I think by then something would be done. But maybe right now they're just waiting for the, the offseason to, to begin. Yeah, I, th- I think essentially it's going to depend on how long Mark Shapiro wants to stay. Because if it if it was me controlling how long he stays, I would keep him. Although that is, you know, for as long as he wants. Although that is kind of biased. I mean, like you said, Mark, we really don't know how a lot of these upper uh, types of deals work. You know how they how they the inner workings of a team completely are. But I would like to see him stay. Uh, he will be fifty. He's fifty three right now, but he'll be fifty four at the end of his contract. So I mean, it depends. I mean, does he want to keep working? I mean. He's not r- relatively old in terms of, you know, wanting to work. I, I think he would cons- uh, consider staying. Uh, I said a couple weeks ago that I think Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro, or the Blue Jays front office in general, is one of the best in the league. And I still do agree with that. You know, like I said, they took a team that was aging, like you said. We knew this was coming, the rebuild. And they built a team that I think will essentially be one of the next dynasties. And I, I've said that probably more often than I should, but I really do agree with it. And I would like to see him. Uh, I don't know, you know, if a long-term deal is necessarily what they'll do. Like you said, Bryson, maybe three years, four, probably not anything more than that. Maybe nothing like five years, uh, but they can re-sign him. You know, it's it's not like you sign or you extend him for three more years and then he, he has to leave. Uh, that's probably what will end up happening. You know, they keep him for, you know, X number of years, three years, say, and then everything's still going well, you know, the team's doing well, or even if the team's underperforming, you know, they keep him and say, you know, you got three more years, you know, keep this contending team uh, a contender or, you know, improve the team. And, you know, maybe I think one of the things the Blue Jays might have learned is that before they kind of move on from a front office, maybe don't have the new one inherit such a weird situation because, you know, with the Anthopolis, it was great to see the, the 2015 and 16 teams, but, you know, in hindsight, I don't know if I would have traded all of those prospects away just to have to basically rebuild the farm system. Uh, I still loved those two playoffs, but what I'm trying to get at is just, I feel like they're probably going to keep him within the organization for either as long as he wants or, you know, kind of a couple short-term deals at a time, you know, kind of let him finish out his tenure. You know, he he built a team and then he, you know, he ended it on a good note where, you know, the next era of, you know, whoever runs the team and whoever's controlling things, you know, ends up uh, working well and it's not such a kind of a weird situation to inherit. Yeah, I'm going to go higher than what you said, Bryson. Really? I'm going to say five years. okay. okay is what they'll extend him for because I think like as a president and CEO of a team, you need to have some sort of stability to plan for the future. Obviously you need to have the foresight and understanding to know what's coming. 
in the future. So I think anything shorter than five years kind of gets to the point where you can't plan that much for the future. Um, I think it gets to the point where it's kind of just short-term stuff. You can't lay out a five-year plan like they did with, okay, well, let's get Teoscar Hernandez in 2017. Okay, let's, um, you know, sign Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to an international deal. Although I think that may have been under um, Alex yeah. Anthopoulos. I think it was 2015. Um, you can't say Lourdes Goriel Jr. We're going to sign him to an international deal. You can't lay these things out and plan them years and years ahead or whether it comes to player extensions like Randall Grishik or, you know, saying we don't want Marcus Stroman as part of our team for the future. We're going to trade him. Um, I, I don't think that you can plan these things out if you have a deal that's shorter than five years. So I think, I, I, I think it would be good for the Blue Jays to extend him for five years or longer. Really, like Jacob said, however long he wants to stay because I think he's done an effective job. So I think he has shown that he is an incredible executive, whether it's with the Cleveland baseball team, which he was with for 25 years. It's crazy. Or the Blue Jays. So I think it's really how long he wants to stay. And like you said, Bryson, maybe he is kind of looking for a challenge after he finishes a job with the Blue Jays. Maybe he gets him a World Series and he says, okay, you know, he cleans his hands, move on to the next team, kind of like I think Theo Epstein did. Um, you know, after winning a World Series, breaking the curse with the Red Sox, he said, okay, I rebuilt their park, I rebuilt their team, I broke the curse, now I'm going to go to Chicago, I'm going to do the exact same thing with um, Wrigley Field, I'm going to rebuild the team, I'm going to break the curse. Um, so maybe Mark Spiro does the same kind of thing. Maybe he kind of looks for a new challenge and wants to start again. But yeah, I, I think the Blue Jays should give him whatever he wants. He's been fantastic. Um, he's done a really great job. Um, on the same note, a uh, small thing that happened this week. I guess there's not much to talk about here, but it is a big piece of news. The Blue Jays um, cutting ties with their uh, low-A affiliate to the Vancouver Canadians. Um, the Canadians have been with the Blue Jays since 2010. Now with um, cuts in the minor league system, a lot of teams are cutting some of their lower affiliates. The Blue Jays disassociating with the Vancouver Canadians, the Vancouver Canadians now becoming the single A team of the Oakland Athletics, or so we think. We're not totally sure about this because it was reported by Rob Fay, by a reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle, that this was, this was happening. And then in the same Mark Shapiro press conference that we got his comments saying he wants to finish the job with the Blue Jays, he said that this isn't true. That, you know, I, I don't know if things just aren't finalized or whether this is, you know, incorrect reporting, false information. But the understanding that we have now from what we've heard is that the Blue Jays are no longer going to have the Vancouver Canadians as their affiliate. But we aren't totally sure that this is the case. Um, but besides that, it is sad to see them go. It was fun to have them as a Canadian team um, with them. But again, with the cuts in the minor leagues, they're cutting about 160 minor league affiliates from around the league. They're trying to reorganize divisions, reorganize leagues, reorganize um, geographical teams to, you know, less traveling and, and stuff like that. And, and overall just make the minor league system more efficient, which of course is a whole other conversation for a whole other day. Um, but it's disappointing to see them go from the Blue Jays. But at the same time, I, I, I kind of understand the decision. Yeah, if it's true, it's definitely disappointing. Like we said, we don't even know, but you know, the, at the other 
the thing you also have to look at is you knew something was coming and you knew this is the first of many across the major leagues for this to happen. You know, first off, there was no minor league season. Uh, the minor leagues, you know, system for each team in particular, other than a taxi squad, there was nothing going on. And people part of a taxi squad, the best they were getting were simulated games or pretty much just, you know, scrimmaging against each other. That was the closest they got if you weren't in the MLB. And players like in single A, um, you know, rookie ball, players like that had pretty much couldn't play anywhere. And, you know, you feel for the minor leaguers. And we, we've, we've gone over, you know, the minor league system and we've gone over, you know, how minor leaguers, you know, their, their lives are different than... You know, someone like in the MLB, when we had our interview months ago with Chris Rowley, we know how it works in the minor league system. And you can just feel for the, you know, the players across of it. But unfortunately, along with pretty much any other sports, it looks like the minor league systems for all of it, it's going to change somehow. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the minor league system next year? Because, um, you know, hopefully they start on time. You know, who knows how many leagues are going to be playing by then? Uh, Baseball's supposed to be going back to a regular schedule. And, you know, the hope is to bring some sort of number of fans back. But, you know, I just don't under, I don't see a clear picture uh, on the future of the minor league system, unfortunately. But, you know, the cuts were coming. It's been happening pretty much since, you know, the season shut down in March. And uh, you've been seeing it across everywhere in terms of employees, in terms of uh, players. You know, players are even getting cut from minor league teams or from, you know, players who are supposed to be on, you know, the double A team or the triple A team. Unfortunately, they, they don't have contracts because of what's been going on. And you have to, you have nothing but to feel for them. And unfortunately, like I said, the future is so unclear with the minor league system that you almost are almost concerned about it a little bit. And the thing is, when you want to look at it too, from a Blue Jays perspective, um, if the minor league season does happen next year, what's going to happen with, you know, the venues? Because I guess you can't even guarantee the Jays would be able to play in Toronto next year. What's going to happen with the Buffalo Bisons? Um, you know, where that's just one thing I'm looking for, but that's far down the road. And I think, you know, I, I guess I can't even say for sure if they'd be back in Toronto because we all thought they would be there this year. But anyways, I just, it's so unclear what's going to happen and what it's going to look like. But the one thing for sure, it's going to look very different. And um, if this is true about the Vancouver Canadians, it's definitely tough to see them go, um, especially for a team with the Jays. It's their only, it was their only Canadian affiliate. You know, you had Buffalo, you had New Hampshire, you have Lansing, Dunedin and Bluefield and Vancouver was the only Canadian affiliate that you had so there was a pretty cool connection there in terms of from you know Toronto to Vancouver we all know Toronto's the only Canadian MLB team in the league and now that you know they're moving to Oakland I guess you can see why it's pretty close to each other from California to British Columbia but um, it's tough it's and it's one of many more to come across the rest of the league and you know who knows how it's going to work even above that in single A with like I just I don't, I don't know anything about it, unfortunately, because we know that there was no minor league season, but cuts have been happening since March, and uh, I, I believe it's going to be going into the winter, and, and it's, uh, it's sad. It really is sad. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's unfortunate. I think one thing we should mention is the fact that, you know, cuts were evident in, you know, very... Uh, or in a lot of markets, especially the ones that face decreased demand, you know, we see uh, the fact that, A, there were no minor league systems, so, or minor league seasons this year, so, you know, there was technically zero demand to go to games because, the, you know, there just, there weren't any games, but it, you know, it it's unfortunate, I mean, you, you mentioned the Chris Rowley interview, Bryson, it, it is tough, you know, we don't really, as people that, you know, just watch the sports or the games and, you know, we talk about it, we analyze it, we do all these things, but we don't take into consideration that, you know, these are actual people that 
you know, need to live just like we do. And we hear about all the, you know, the 10 year, I think $300 million contract for who was, I think Bryce Harper or something, you know, and these guys have tons of money, but we don't realize that, you know, some people don't actually have that, you know, they, you know, they rely on, you know, every paycheck more than, you know, somebody like Bryce Harper or, you know, any player really, I think league minimum is about 400,000 off the top of my head or something like that, or it's, you know, it, they make a lot and, it, you know, but we, we don't take into consideration the other, you know, lesser, uh, lesser up in the system types of teams. And, you know, it is sad, uh, you know, the fact that you also said that they're the only Canadian team that the Blue Jays are affiliated with. Uh, it, you know, so there's a little added sadness to that. But one of the things I was thinking about is, you know, minor league teams, you know, typically won't see as much of a turnout to games. And I mean, people still go to them, but I feel like people are going to be hesitant to go to, you know, even just a major league game next year, if they're even allowed. I mean, the World Series uh, has fans in Arlington or in in the state of Texas. So, you know, it's it's cool to see. I, I'm enjoying that. But, you know, who knows if on a global scale or at least on a an American scale, you know, who know, I don't even know if we can consider Toronto as part of that. But, you know, will people be hesitant to go to major league games and if they are how will that influence uh the minor league games you know i i feel like there's going to be a lot of people that say you know normally i would go to this but i'm not going this year or you know who knows how long that continues so you know it's just it's a, it's an unfortunate situation you know we've seen money is definitely tight over the course of this year you know a lot of markets have essentially crashed you know a lot of things have not gone well for a lot of people but you know, when you see, you know, kind of things like this at the forefront and, you know, such a big team, you know, really any team that's facing cuts, you know, it's kind of in the front and center of the, and it's just, you know, it is sad to see these things, especially publicly, but it was going to happen. I mean, I say that unfortunately because, you know, like I said, the last thing you want to see is people lose their jobs or, you know, have their ties cut with a, a pro league team you know so it's just it's sad but I mean I I kind of hate to say this but there's not like over like a ton that people can do just because of the state the world is in but you know at least they did uh pair with the Oakland Athletics so you know it's not the worst news in the world but I mean from a Blue Jays perspective it is still technically a loss and it is something that people are going to be sad about once they they hear about it yeah like it sucks but as you mentioned that it's not too bad because they are just going to the athletics and actually they're becoming a, a higher ranking team. I think they're now going to be the single A team for the athletics instead of the low, low A team for the Blue Jays. So it helps them out a little bit and hopefully everyone, you know, keeps their jobs and people have been asking, you know, what happens to the Blue Jay players who are on the Canadians? They're still in the Blue Jay system. It's just a matter of whether the Blue Jays have spots on their rosters elsewhere in the organization for the players. So they may have to end up cutting a few players because they don't have roster spots for them. But uh, besides that, they keep all the players. So it's not like the Oakland days get all the players who are right now on the Vancouver Canadiens roster. But yeah, there's so many questions about what's happening, not just in baseball, obviously, but in the world. Bryson, you mentioned, you know, where are the Blue Jays going to play? Are they going to play in Toronto? Do they play in Buffalo? What happens to the Bisons if they play in Buffalo? I mean... Just this past week, we saw news of the Raptors discussing whether they were going to play in Louisville, Kentucky, 
um, which of course is its whole other can of worms that we don't want to open on this podcast, but everything is up in the air. So whether the Blue Jays can play in Toronto, whether they have to play somewhere else, whether they displace another major league team or minor league team, or whether they share a stadium with another major league team, like we saw them planning to do at the start of this season, everything is up in the air. And I think there was a lot of speculation and we have a lot of speculation as to why the Blue Jays are cutting ties with the Vancouver Canadians. Personally, I think it's just the fact that, you know, you have to get rid of teams right now in the time when they're restructuring minor league baseball. But, you know, some people were throwing out ideas that it was because of the border, that it would complicate how Vancouver would fit into the larger minor league system, whether teams would then have to travel north of the border, which of course right now is a big problem. Um, There was some people saying that they would rather the Blue Jays cut ties with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, their double-A team, and then make the Vancouver Canadians their double-A team or move, you know, even the Dunedin Blue Jays, single-A Dunedin Blue Jays up to double-A, move the Vancouver Canadians up to single-A. Um, there's lots of people playing, you know, a jigsaw puzzle with all the different parts of the Blue Jays system. Personally, I take some offense to the idea of cutting the Fisher Cats because I'm from New Hampshire and I like them. They have a beautiful stadium, but um, yeah, it's it's a complicated situation. Obviously, it's not good, but I I just don't know whether you can do anything about it. It's um, it's it's a situation that seems kind of locked in stone. I don't think the Blue Jays could change it much. Yeah, you have to imagine too, like for a team like the Jays who don't know what's going to happen next year, like you have to imagine for someone like Ross Atkins or Mark Shapiro, if you're trying to recruit a free agent, like yeah, how do you recruit a free agent and telling them that, like hey, we want you to pitch here, but we don't know where we're playing next year. But the one thing I want to say, too, with the, the border issues, I'm sure you guys saw the news, is that, and this could be a game-changer for all of sports, all all leagues, or I guess other than the NFL, but uh, Calgary's testing a rapid testing like device or something like that at their airport where you can get results within five minutes. And apparently, if it works, the government is going to consider uh, eliminating the 14-day quarantine rule. And if that happens, you have to imagine maybe that leads to the casual reopening of the border. So if that if that would happen, I believe it's going to be uh, tested within the next couple of weeks in November. Um, you know, that's a major game changer for sports. I and mean, when you look at it right now, uh, you know, the Jays are sorry. You, you mentioned the Raptors, Mark, about, you know, they wanting to or, or they're already looking at alternate sites, you know. Uh, and yesterday, too, there were reports that, you know, they're hopeful they're going to be able to play here. You know, I don't, I don't see how they're going to be able to play here after what we witnessed um, back in July from the government. And when you want to look at it now and where we are in terms of case numbers, we're in a bad second wave right now compared to wh- where we were in July. We were in a better spot than where we are now. So, you know, how angry would that, you know, that would, that would get, get me upset if they allowed the Raptors, all due respect to the Raptors, but if you allow the Raptors to play here, but you couldn't let the Jays play here, um, you know that 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 hurts. Uh, that would pretty that would bother me pretty much. And of course, we know the situation with the NHL. There's what there's so many. You know, there's what six or seven Canadian teams. How's that going to work? Is there going to be a, a division, Canadian division? They're talking about. And then what happens when you want to play the American teams? Are they going to have to kind of you know play in an alternate site in the states, which TFC is doing right now? They had a Canadian division, and now they're playing home games in Connecticut, and they're even allowing fans in Connecticut. So I don't know. That's that's a weird one over there, but. You know, this rapid testing thing, it could be a major game changer. And for a team like the Jays, if this thing works out by, 
November, you have to imagine they'd be allowed in here, you know, to play back here next year. And maybe it would save someone like the Raptors or even the Canadian teams in the NHL. So the one thing that a lot of people are looking at is vaccines. But I think the one thing you need to be looking at even more is the rapid testing. The testing is key. And if the testing is accurate, this rapid testing device in Calgary, and I think it's, first of all, it's smart that they're doing it in Calgary because it's obviously less populated than something like Pearson. It could be a major game changer. So, you know, you have to hope you have your fingers crossed for that because that could be a massive development for all the sports in North America. So hopefully that turns out to be the case. And for a team like the Jays, you know, knowing where they'll, they'll be back in Toronto for sure by, you know, Christmas or even the New Year, that'd be really reassuring for them too, rather than scrambling by spring training to figure out where the heck they're going to play baseball games again. So we'll see what happens there, but so much uncertainty with the Blue Jays in particular. And of course, with the rest of North American sports, we don't even know when other leagues such as the NBA and the NHL are going to be coming back after the World Series ends, which will be within next week. It's literally just going to be football. And, and in a time like this, it's almost November. You're going to have football on Thursday, Sunday, and Monday, and that's it for the sports world. It's going to be back to kind of where we were back in March where almost it feels like no sports on. So it's just really weird times for us right now. But, um, you know, we all want to see the Jays back in Toronto next year. And, you know, hopefully by then too, even if they're allowed back, maybe by July, you have a safe plan to maybe fit in 10,000 people at the Rogers Center. I don't know, with the roof open. You know, hopefully we get to that point by now. But, you know, if we're in the same situation next year, of where we were this summer, I think that'd be very disappointing in terms of no fans being allowed or not even, or them not even being allowed to play in Toronto. It'd be very disappointing to see if we don't get to a better stage by, you know, next March, next April. Uh, it, the only good thing, and you said this, that there's essentially going to be no sports on except for the NHL or the, the NFL after the World Series is over. At least that gives people time to, uh, re to make a plan. You know, obviously... Uh, the NBA bubble, the NHL bubble, that they had their time, they figured it out. Uh, Major League Baseball was an absolute, you know, mess. We all know how that went, but at least now, you know, they. It's been better though. Yeah, it's been it, better now. It's, it got better. Five days or something without a case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but they, um, got, they got lucky. At least now they kind of will have this this period of okay, there's nothing, so let's you know let's prepare. You know, do they want to? You know, I think as a Canadian, we all have to consider the fact that you know there's going to be a lot more than just the Blue Jays you know like you said the Raptors what's going to happen with them uh, they share a stadium with uh, the Leafs they both play at Scotiabank Arena so you know how do they want to fit that in you know if the if they do keep the Raptors in Kentucky or Connecticut or uh, how do, how do the Leafs work you know are they going to stay in an all-Canadian division I saw a few reports where they were going to they were going to have all the Canadian teams play together and then all of the Eastern American teams play together and then they were going to uh what was it i think have kind of like the rest of the league play together kind of like geographical regions uh maybe this year the leafs actually have a good position in the standings but that's another topic but um it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it works and i think if that rapid testing device does work i honestly don't know why teams couldn't just come in toronto obviously there are a lot of other things to deal with you know if you know uh the Boston Red Sox come to Toronto, they get tested, nobody is positive, and then somehow they they do get exposed to the virus, and then they go back to Boston, come back to Toronto, you know, a couple weeks later, you know, however that works, you know, there still is a risk of spreading, but I think if they were to have this very quick test, you could say, okay, 
player X you're not playing, you know, go back to, or, you know, I don't know, they, they figure something out. I think that would definitely help. Uh, but if all goes well, I mean, obviously the second wave is not very good right now. I think the cases today on Saturday were uh, 900 something. They, they were like in the 980s. 978. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not looking good right now, but hopefully, I mean, as a sports fan, hopefully things, you know, even if the cases are going up, you know, if they're able to rapidly test and say, okay, Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, you're, you're, you're clear, um, you know, that's an NHL team, but you, you get what I mean. Like they're going to take all these teams and say that they're COVID free and that they can, you know, come in and, you know, even if it's a modified bubble where you really only go from the, the hotel to the arena, I think that still could work, but it, it'll definitely be a weird, uh, weird way of sp- watching sports and, you know, playing sports if you're the athletes for the next little while. Yeah, the one thing too is as much as it could be a game changer for the borders, you know, it. I think it can be a game changer too, too for allowing fans back in. So that's the one thing. If this thing turns out to be successful, you know, how even for a question for all of us, you know, take it away from the border situation. But for citizens like us, if they, you want to go to a game, would you feel comfortable if there's rapid testing to know that I could safely be in here with a random group of people knowing that most likely they don't have the virus? And again, it all depends on how effective it, it is. And I think, you know, it's something they do have to take their time with. And I think it's good they're starting in Calgary, but, you know, one false negative turns into a positive, then you've exposed a massive number of people. So hopefully it turns out to be accurate. And not only would it be a game changer for the border, but it'd be a game changer for fans for sure. Anywhere, any public area. So we'll see what happens. But of course, it's all, you know, trials haven't even begun yet. So just, I guess, all of us for sure need to come down to earth for a bit, but it would definitely promising results that could happen in the future. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we might be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but yeah, I it like you said, it's not just game changer for sports, it's a game changer for everything, but I guess the concerns, like you said, are the accuracy and the speed of the test. I mean, we have PCR tests right now, which are incredibly accurate, but take like 24 hours. We have antigen tests, which are have a lot of problems, a lot of false negatives, lots of false positives, and those take like 10 minutes. So it's a combination of the accuracy and the timing and, of course, how expensive the tests are, whether they can be spread rapidly. It's a whole can of worms that, I mean, we're not qualified to talk about. But it's it certainly has very interesting ramifications for baseball. And, again, I think whether I would go to a game with this rapid testing or just go to a gathering with this rapid testing depends on the accuracy and the speed of the test. But it's interesting and it certainly changes the conversation. I think we're a long way away from having these tests available just like for everyone, you know, for, you know, thousands of fans going into a game. But, you know, the question of whether we have these tests available for maybe the 50 or 60 people that travel with the team across a border, that's a whole different conversation. I think that's a lot more realistic, especially when, you know, the amount of time we have before the Major League Baseball season starts. But regardless, I think this season proves that whatever happens with testing, whatever even happens with cases, you know, if we even if we have two times the amount of cases that we had at our peak in whenever it was, May or June, like, I, I think we can still play baseball. I think that's what we've learned from this season. We In, in basketball and, and hockey, the bubbles can be effective, the modified bubble of Major League Baseball can be effective, and I think that's the most encouraging takeaway. Regardless of the testing news, regardless of the case news, um, we can still play baseball. We can still 
have some sort of season, even if it is weird and, and unprecedented. The Marlins got shut down. The Braves got shut No, not the Braves. Sorry. The Cardinals got shut down. Yeah, two teams shut down, and they still went. So there you go. They're committed to doing it, and there's massive losses if they don't. So I think that's the one thing they proved. That's for sure. Yeah, and, and so far, having fans in the World Series has been successful. Of course, we haven't really had enough time to know whether it hasn't been successful, but it seems good it seems like texas doesn't care at all about cases which that's another question along with florida having packed football stadiums but you know it it seems like it's working so i it's encouraging for what could come next year for baseball but um let's talk about next year because the blue jays have an offseason ahead of them we've talked many times about how important it is how versatile and how um you know, flexible the Blue Jays approach this offseason can be. One of the guys who's been floating around the team in terms of potential acquisitions is Trevor Bauer, of course, previously of the Cincinnati Reds, Cleveland baseball team. He's now a free agent this offseason. He's been having a lot of fun with it. I can say that much. He's been posting on Twitter constantly about different teams. He's talking to different teams he's going to visit. I think he posted a picture the other day of a, a selfie of him with uh, Minute Maid Park in Houston. So he's having a lot of fun with teasing a lot of different fan bases anyways. So I I guess it wasn't this past week, but the week before because we didn't record. He posted a tweet about the Angels saying, you know, hit me up Los Angeles, talk to me, I want to get something done. And then Randall Grishik responded to that tweet. He said, yo Trev, I think you need to come north of the border. Toronto fans would really love you, just saying. And then Trevor Bauer responded, Do Blue Jay fans love me, though, or do they still hate me? Of course, referring to 2016, the drone scandal, the whole series there. Um, Randall responded, They love you, man. You should come next season and stay for a few years and see all the words they spell different in Canada. And then Trevor Rosenthal, another pitcher, um, he responded with a waving emoji to Randall Grishik. He said, We'll take both Trevs in Canada. Come on, guys. And Trevor Rosenthal said, let's go. So I don't think we can read much into this. I think Trevor Bauer is doing this with literally every single team. He's tugging at the heartstrings of every single front office and fan base. But the Blue Jays do need pitching. Trevor Bauer is a very good pitcher. So regardless of how realistic it might be for them to sign them or how involved we think the Blue Jays are in these discussions... Should the Blue Jays try to go after Trevor Bauer? Should they try to sign him, judging by how good a pitcher he is and, and how influential he could be on the Blue Jays? Uh, well, Mark Shapiro, I mean, if you want to look at what he said over the course of the offseason, he said he's willing to pay somebody, him in his front office. So is Trevor Bauer that guy? I mean, I'm not against that. Uh, but w- what I was thinking, you know, obviously we have Ryu signed for three more years. Taiwan Walker is a free agent who I would like to see back. Uh, and Nate Pearson is here till 2026. Imagine adding Trevor Bauer into that and those are your top four starters. I take that over, you know, maybe even arguably the 2016 rotation. You know, that would, I think, be really, really good. Uh, obviously, I didn't mention a fifth starter because, you know, that could be literally anybody in, from the bullpen as of last year or as of this season going into next season. But I'm not against that. I think, you know, the... It's it's kind of funny that Trevor Bauer said the or mentioned the the drone scandal. Uh, I definitely had a good laugh at that when I was 
younger, but I mean, not not a laugh that he got hurt, but the the fact that he was you know he was playing with drones and there were so many memes about it. But it was funny. Yeah, it, it was a really funny time. <laughs> yeah. Especially especially the game where he was his finger. Yeah, the was bloody just, finger. It, it, it exploded. Dripping blood. It exploded. And yet the Blue Jays. It was, he wasn't he wasn't injured. As long as he was okay, he was. But it was it was pretty funny. It was so funny. He didn't finish the start, but I I would like to see him though. That would be I, I that would be a good. Uh, acquisition for the blue jays you know like we said they need pitching uh he is a pitcher who happens to be very good at that so i mean if is it realistic i mean judging by the fact that mark shapiro said he that they have the money and they're they're willing to spend it i think from a blue jays perspective i think that them making the effort is realistic uh it's just depending on does trevor bauer want to come to the blue jays and the fact that a lot of the league is now recognizing the Blue Jays as a really good team or one that has a very good future, who knows? Maybe he says, you know what, this is a good team. Uh, count me in for the next three, four years. Let's let's win a World Series. I think that definitely could be realistic. I mean, one of the kind of, not deterrents, but one of the elephants in the room is the fact that the Blue Jays are in Canada. And I've heard over the past, you know, five, six years of watching essentially every single game is... You know, when they talk about free agents, you know, do, does a guy want to come to a completely new country, you know, going maybe from the U.S.? I mean, if if you're from outside of the U.S., you got to come there anyways. But if you're an American like Trevor Bauer, do you want to move to Toronto, do something like that? I mean, it's doable, but, you know, that's something people got to deal with, you know, on a personal scale. But I think from a from a strictly a baseball perspective, that, that it's a good thing that, that should be considered. I think the Blue Jays need pitching, and he he could easily be a very good pitcher for this team. Yeah, definitely anybody would want Trevor Bauer. And I guess the one thing, too, is, you know, I guess there's not even a guarantee they'd be in Canada next year. So if Trevor Bauer's down to live in Buffalo for a year, maybe, or who knows, that maybe he'd like that, I don't know. But uh, in terms of the Twitter thing, we, we know the person Trevor Bauer is. We know even before, I guess, the days when he was with Cleveland, the drone scandal years of 2016 and uh, before that, you know, he's always have he's very heavy on social media, regardless if it's Instagram or Twitter. And, um, you know, to be honest with you, I think it's the funniest is when he's actually saying that he would <laughs> listen to offers from the, the Houston Astros after, you know, all of the trolling he did this year with the cleats, the Joe Kelly tweets that, you know, the MLB didn't allow him to wear, the Houston Asterix shirts he wore, the trash cans. It's all fun. It's all funny with him. And, I, you know, I think it's something that would be embraced for sure in a market like Toronto as well. He would definitely become a popular figure here. And, you know, probably anywhere else. You know, we've seen him too with, you know, the Yankees, the Angels. He's been doing it with a bunch of teams. But if he would be able to come here, of course, um, I think we'd welcome Trevor Bauer without a doubt based off of his numbers. And he was came off, obviously, a short season, but he came off his best year of his career this year. He put a, an ERA of 173 or 1.73, and his whip was over 2. So that's pretty impressive. Um, it's actually, It was actually close to 3. It was at 2.7. And he has a career ERA of 390. So, you know, a pr- pretty decent for uh, career numbers, you know, he's had some all he's had some good years, years where he's made the All Star team. He's only a, he made the All Star uh, game in 2018, but before that, you know, he's had some up and down years for sure. Years where he's put up an ERA of four. Um, majority has been around that that number, and it's you know it's a decent starter for sure. But what he saw this year, he completely looked different than you know his caliber than what we've seen from previous years. He was very impressive regardless if it was a short season or not. And, um, you know, even on the mound, he was showing emotion. Uh, There's lots of things he was doing. He, was, he would scream. He would do the McGregor walk. He would do a lot of things. 
and it made social media, so good for him, and we know the player he is. And he's he's also very big on um, vlogging everything, and he was vlogging things when I think uh, there was one I watched where he went to the Boston airport, and he was pretty much pulled over from a bunch of people asking for pictures and such. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the market for him is definitely attractive, and I think that regardless of wherever he goes, you know, obviously he'll have a ton of options based off what we're seeing so far. And I guess you never know, maybe he can go back to a place like Cincinnati, but, you know, usually how it works is whoever pays you the most money, and I think he'd listen or go anywhere. And for a team like Toronto, who knows how appealing it is to him, but usually when it comes to free agents, if we were to get a, a good free agent, you know, you would definitely have to overpay uh, maybe a, a significant amount. I would, no, actually not significant, maybe a little, a little bit, but it all depends on how serious he is about Toronto. We know, Of course, in 2016, yes, he wasn't very well liked, but... Um, you know, times have definitely changed of who's been on this team and not, and I think fans are over him, and, you know, there was nothing personal with him, he was just obviously that figure who would like to mess with fans and troll fans, and at the time when you're against someone like that in a playoff series, it could get pretty, uh, antagonizing, so, but when you look back at it now, he's nothing but a good pitcher, that, nothing that, you know, he's not a bad person in the clubhouse, I'm sure he's a, a good person, definitely a little different based on what we've seen from his uh, social media, I'll say different. He's definitely unique, but, you know, and I guess the one thing, too, is uh, the final start for him in Cleveland when he was in Kansas City when he threw the ball over the center field wall. That Legendary. Was, that was the funny. That was the funniest moment I think I've ever seen with the pitcher being pulled out of the... We've seen, you know, pitchers that refuse to leave and all that, but to throw, throw a baseball, and it's impressive that like he got it over the center field feet. wall. Yeet. Oh yeah, he just he threw that ball hard, and you know that, you know he definitely could be a little bit frustrating, probably especially you know Terry Francona did not look very impressed, but I think he'd be embraced here, and I think he would know, you know he'd be a very significant piece, especially if he came to a market like this one or a team like this one, and you know but he will have a lot of options, and I think you know I guess if you want to consider him mentioning Toronto on his Twitter, I guess you can consider that a win because he hasn't mentioned every team, but he's mentioned a lot of teams, and the fact that Toronto was one of them. I guess that is pretty cool, but we'll see what happens. And, um, you know, I would definitely be all for Trevor Bauer coming to Toronto. Imagine him and uh, Guriel just sitting in the dugout doing their their <laughs> little dances and whatnot. Because him and Biggio, oh, him, Biggio and Bichette, really, they're all they're yeah. everywhere. So I think he would fit right into that, you know, that interesting group. I think there are a few different parts. I think three different parts to this. The first is... I get Trevor Bauer. Like, he's a good pitcher, and I'm not denying that he is very fun to watch, and he's a character, and he's very entertaining, and, like, this is known without it. I think he's good for baseball as well. Like, I think the fact that he is so media-oriented and so focused on, you know, pushing the game and putting out videos on his YouTube channel, whether they be vlogs or these, you know, dinner chats that he has with other players or John Boy or, you know, all these different stuff. I think he's great for baseball and I think he's a great pitcher. I think that's the first part of it. The second part of it is I think the Blue Jays need pitching. Like we know the Blue Jays need pitching. We know they need a starter. So that's undeniable. But the third part of this that I think Trevor Bauer fails on is that He's a character. I mean, we just, Bryson, you were just talking about it. He cut his finger playing with a drone. He threw a ball 400 feet over the outfield wall when he was being removed from a game. 
I don't think this is a type of player that the Blue Jays want on their team. Like, I'm just going to be completely honest. I think he will cause problems. I think there's a reason that Mark Spiro and Ross Atkins traded away Marcus Stroman. Yeah, I think, you know, him. we heard lots about Marcus Stroman yelling in the clubhouse and we know his personality, whether it be on Twitter or whether it be his relationship with the Blue Jays after that arbitration hearing. We know the whole problem with Marcus Stroman. And I think Trevor Bauer is a similar guy. Obviously very different. I think he takes himself less seriously. I think he's, um, you know, more charming and aware of the fans. And again, like I said, I think he's really good for baseball. But I think the Blue Jays have constructed such a good team in terms of the interactions in the clubhouse, in terms of respecting the leadership on the team in terms of understanding the approach that the Blue Jays want to take. Um, you know, we saw some guys like Tanner Rourke disagreed with it. He went out and say, you know, I'm, I'm a freight train. I need to warm up. I don't take me out of the game that early. But I think besides that, we've seen almost a complete buy-in by these players into the Blue Jays philosophy for playing. And I think Trevor Bauer, even though he is analytically minded, I think some things, whether it be his ego, whether it be his personality, could get in the way of him being a good player for the Blue Jays and a team player for the Blue Jays. So for that reason, even though he's a great pitcher, even though he's great for baseball, even though the Blue Jays need a starting pitcher, I don't think they should get Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I know, um, you know, Marcus Stroman definitely is a character too. And I guess he would be a little like, you know what I mean? They're definitely different in terms of that. But I just wanted to say too, have you guys seen Marcus Stroman's tweets? Have you guys seen what he's been saying or no? No, I don't pay attention. He still has me blocked on Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So I can't see so him on Instagram. Let, I've been blocked by him for let, years. Let me read you a tweet that happened on the 21st. And he was tweeting about his hometown New York Yankees. The, you know, the real New York team that we all know he'd rather be on. So this is what he said. I just want you guys... This is it. So besides Garrett remember Cole... When he, oh, yeah, like, sorry, remember when he like was pissed at the Blue Jays yeah. because they traded him to the Mets <laughs> instead of the Yankees. Yeah. yeah. He, there was a whole, there were the whole uh, story of him throwing a fit in the clubhouse. Yeah. So I'm, I don't know. He, he's, he's a character for sure. So this is what he said. Besides Garrett Cole, there's no current Yankee pitcher who will be anywhere in my league over the next five to seven years. Their pitching always folds in the end. That lineup and payroll should be winning world series left and right. And yet they're in a drought. LOL. So like <laughs> Marcus Stroman, I, I know he got, yeah, there it is right there. He had, I just he discovered I'm blocked by Marcus Stroman wow. on Twitter as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously he opted out maybe because he's a free agent and he wants, he doesn't want to risk, I guess, losing his value based on it playing for the Mets who are a tire fire. So he's been spending a lot of time on Twitter as per usual, maybe a little bit more, but yeah, there was people that were calling him a clown show, a clown show saying they take a healthy Tanaka, Severino, Garcia, and an unknown pitcher over this guy. And Marcus Stroman pretty much just going back at him saying, well, that's worked out for you the past couple of years with the numbers of your team ERA. He has been all over the Yankees on Twitter. And, you know, clearly he wants to be a New York Yankee. There's no surprise there. But, you know, people like him and he was even calling out Brian Cashman. Like he has been causing a circus on Twitter. And the one thing for Marcus Stroman, too, is, you know, even from what we know, there was a lot of years or pretty much every year with Stroman. He was good one year. And the next year, he'd be inconsistent. Like, if you want to look at, um, let's look at 2016. 2016 and 18. Yeah, he, he 2016. Was awful those two years. A 437 ERA, 2017, a 309 ERA, 2018, a 554 ERA. 
And uh, 2019, is, of course, he split time with the Mets and Jays, but he's very inconsistent. And uh, he's been causing a wreck on Twitter with calling out the Yankees. You can tell he's obviously in love with that team. <laughs> yes, it's pretty much all he calls out. We know the thing he had with Gritchick earlier in the year, that whole Twitter exchange. But he, um, he, he, that is the definition of a character. And uh, you can see why people like Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins had enough of him. And even when he was in Toronto, there were still, it was 50-50. You either liked him, and there were a considerable amount of people that did not like him. And, you know, Trevor Bauer, will he be calling out the front offices on Twitter? Who knows? He definitely has the potential to do that. But I just see him more of a, a goofball than Marcus Stroman acting like he's some sort of, you know, ace starting. Well, he is, I guess he was an ace one year, but you know what I mean? Like a top five, top ten pitcher in the game. It seems to be a little far-fetched that he's, you know, just destroying the Yankees on Twitter. So uh, we'll see what happens there. It'll be interesting, too, to see where he ends up because he is up this year as a free agent. And, of course, he opted out of the season. So we'll see. I just want to wonder what, what league does he does he think he's in? Like, Well, and you see the same. It's, <laughs> it was really repetitive, right? Every, every winter, I'm going to come back stronger than ever. I'm going to be the best pitcher in the game. You know, he, he does talk a big game. It's something that we saw every winter. And there'd be years where he would sort of back it up, and there'd be years where not even close to being backed up. So, you know, we're used to it here, but the fact that the whole baseball world's seeing, like, how crazy he's been on Twitter, it's kind of funny. But anyways, he, that's a character for sure. I mean, his ERA is, his career ERA, that is, over six years, is 3.76. So, I mean, it's not, like, it's not awful, but for a guy that talks that much, you'd expect an ERA under two. Like, I don't... <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, he's not good enough to talk all this no. crap. And I didn't, I knew I've been, I've been blocked by him on Instagram for years, I did not know I was, I don't know what I did to get <laughs> blocked on Twitter. It may have been back Mark when, um, back when Randall Grishik and him were fighting oh, it out, okay. I guess earlier this year, maybe that, I think I tweeted something during that. So maybe that got him pissed at me. I don't know, but yeah, he's, I, I don't want to compare Trevor Bauer and Marcus Stroman because yeah. I don't think they're the same person. Like I think Trevor Bauer is a much better clubhouse guy than Marcus Stroman would be but I think the Blue Jays approach with Marcus Stroman in trading him away getting rid of him shows that the front office wants to focus on building a good clubhouse and not having any like social pariahs in the clubhouse guys who might you know create some ripples and mess up things so I think Trevor Bauer is one of those players and I don't really want to mess with the success that they've had especially when there are other players available who are just as good who well maybe not just as good because Trevor Bauer might win the NL Cy Young award this year but who are good who won't cause the same problems that he caused so that's where I stand on it I think yeah, they want a team tolerance that, so yeah you go I, Jacob I was gonna say I think they just want a team that's not acting on impulse you know they if you if you want to go on Twitter and say things or you want to express yourself that's fine but I think the reason why they ended up trading him was because he was always, you know, speaking his mind. And speaking your mind's fine, but when, you know, every day or every other day there's a new tweet and it's just like, really? I, I, I wouldn't even tweet this and I'm, I have all of like 300 followers. Like, wow, way to flex. To, tone it down a little Jeez, bit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, like, it's tolerance. I, they're right? not the same so, player. Yeah. But, it all depends. Yeah. But bottom line, I don't want the Blue Jays. I don't think the Blue Jays will get him anyways. Like, I think he's going to go to a different team who's willing to pay him a lot more. But it's certainly fun to speculate and see what's going to happen. But 
I think that pretty much wraps it up for this week. Thank you to everyone who tuned in and listened to this episode. As always, you can rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts and just help spread the word or let a friend know about our podcast. We'll be back next week if all goes as planned, unless Blue Jays don't have anything going on. Otherwise, we may take another week off. Um, I think throughout the offseason, we'll try to be putting out episodes every week. We may not succeed in that, as we've seen this past week, if there's nothing going on in the Blue Jay world. But I think at a minimum, we'll do episodes every two weeks, or at least that's a goal. But until then, stay safe, and we'll catch you next week. Giving up.